In the Shadows, a new podcast by Izzy Steinmeier and Isla Campbell. Each week, we investigate the lives of the hidden women of history. Join us as we uncover their stories. Hi guys, and welcome to the latest episode of our podcast, In the Shadows, where each week we aim to give voices to the hidden figures of history. Hi, I'm Isla. And I'm Izzy. So in today's podcast, um, we're going to be talking about Theodora, um, who was the Empress of Eastern Rome and the wife of Justinian. Yes, so Theodora came to be Empress in 527 um, when Justinian, her husband, came to the throne. So she's said to be one of the most powerful and significant Eastern Roman Empresses. And some would argue that she was just as significant as her husband Justinian, who is widely recognised for having a very successful rule. Yeah, so um, in this episode, we're going to go through the life of um, Theodora. She was a powerful empress. Um, And what's really interesting about her is she came to supreme power from humble beginnings. Um, And then we're going to move on to kind of a more broad discussion on why, why she's in the shadows. So let's start from the beginning. Theodora was born in 500 AD, and she's said to have been born in Maburg, Syria, although there is some um, dispute about this because some say she was born in Cyprus or um, Paphlagonia. Her father was far from emperor. He was a bear trainer in Constantinople, and her mother was a mere dancer and actress. Yep, and she was actually one of three sisters, um, and her father died when she was just four years old, which is um, interesting that she was brought up by her mother. Um, and she is said to have become a prostitute from a young age. Um, she worked in a brothel um, and she also worked on, on stage. Um, she worked in the Hippodrome where she would later meet Justinian. Um, and her profession has kind of, her young profession as a youth has come to really define her early years. Um, and this can be seen in the fact that the main account of her life is from um, the author Procopius. Um, and he described her as Theodora from the brothel. Yeah, definitely. So even though prostitution was not her only profession, um, by the age of 15, she was a very prominent and celebrated um, performer in the Hippodrome. And here she gained gained major success and it was what actually led her to the emperor. So how did she kind of transition from performer and prostitute to becoming the most powerful woman in Byzantine history? Well, she met Justinian at age just 21 after returning to Constantinople after a brief hiatus. And so what we know of Justinian's story is quite similar to Theodora's. Um, They both came from very humble beginnings and impoverished backgrounds and made their way up through the ranks of Roman society. Justinian grew up as a mere farmer's son from what is now modern day Serbia. Um, So the pair fell in love. um, And obviously there was a few laws that kind of said, you can't can't really marry someone out of your rank. um, But that, 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 that didn't stop Justinian. He, he was emperor. He just whacked a few new laws in place, um, which allowed him to marry outside of his rank. And they were married. Yeah. Um, so after they were married, Isla, can you tell us how Theodore bolstered, Theodora bolstered her power and used her influence at court? Yeah. So um, she kind of throughout Justinian's reign, she was involved in most of the matters of state. Um, so she kind of she participated in all political matters of state. She enacted new legislation. She even had her own court. Um, even with her own court, she put, she she avidly participated in the court of Justinian. Um, 
and she was consulted on any matter before it was put in place. Um, so yeah, this very heavy and almost equal standing in court to Justinian is why she's seen by many as being as important as Justinian in this rule. Yeah, but despite this, um, it's really interesting and kind of seems unjust that she never actually became co-regent. So especially when so many people, as you said, go um, as far as to say she, rather than Justinian, was the one who actually ruled Byzantium. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll discuss more about that later, about the fact that she never became co-regent. Um, Izzy, can you outline some of her most impactful moments as empress? Sure. So first and foremost, she was heavily involved in attempting to fight for women's rights across the Eastern Roman Empire. And some of the laws that she implemented included banned forced prostitution, increased rights in the sectors of divorce and property ownership. She also gave mothers overriding rights um, to their children, forbade women who committed adultery to be killed, and even implemented the death penalty for rape. As well as this, she supported ex-prostitutes and she created a convent on the Asian side of Dardanelle called the uh, Metanoia, which means repentance. Yeah, so as you can see, she was she was a she was an avid feminist. She she really she'd been there. She was a prostitute, so in that way, it kind of helped her to enact these um, measures. Um, and I think what's really important we need to bring to light is um, without Theodora, the rule of Justinian may have just crumbled into pieces because of the Nika revolt. Um, so this happened in January five three two. So there were two factions in Constantinople. Um, and they united in a force to bring down Justinian and create their own new emperor. Um, so there was chaos in the in the in the town. Um, and Justinian, you know, he was he was he was scared and he feared for the loss of his power and for the loss of his life because you know a lot of emperors don't um, do get murdered. So he thought he he'd fall victim to that. Um, so he thought, let's flee, let's get out of here. Um, and a lot of the advisors said that's the best thing to do, but Theodora said no. Her fight or flight kicked in and she she chose fight and um, she persuaded him to stick it out. And with the help of um, Justinian's somewhat brutal general, Belisarius, the rebellion was quelled. So Procopius, who, as we've mentioned, is the main historian on Theodora, um, wrote that at the time of the Nika revolt, Theodora said, I do not care whether or not it is proper for a woman to give brave counsel to frightened men. But in moments of extreme danger, conscience is the only guide. Every man who is born into the light of day must sooner or later die. And how can an emperor ever allow himself to become a fugitive? If you, my lord, wish to save your skin, you will have no difficulty in doing so. We are rich, there is the sea, there too are our ships. But consider first whether when you reach safety, you will not regret that you did not choose death in preference. As for me, I stand by the ancient saying, royalty makes the best shroud. And as you can see from that, um, she really, you know, that was quite, a, that was obviously, she didn't actually say that, but it just shows her determination. Um, and yeah, she did, she did a lot, not only in terms of keeping Justinian's power stable, but also for improving the lives of um, women um, and establishing more just legislation. Um, but Theodora's power wasn't plain sailing by any means. She was portrayed to be quite vicious threatening, power hungry, um, especially to other women in the court. Um, and we must say that the contemporary writers were all men who were afraid of her power um, as a woman. Um, so we'll get on, we'll get more onto that later. 
Yeah, well, um, after the Nika revolt, we can see that Justinian and Theodora undertook a massive transformation of Constantinople. So the buildings um, constructed during this time are still considered to be some of the seminal works of the Byzantine architecture, with the most um, famous building being the Hagia Sophia. And it's worth noting as well that she didn't follow the same orthodoxy as her husband. She she divulged and um, she was actually a follower of of monophysitism, which highlights her kind of independence and strong willed nature. So, Izzy, how did she die in the end? Well, she died at around age 50 in 548 CE, and this was probably caused by cancer. But Justinian never remarried, and it can be said that actually in the later stages of his rule, without Theodora by his side, he did not have the same level of focus and strength. Welcome to the discussion segment of today's podcast. Um, As per usual, let's get on to the first question. Why was Theodora in the shadows? So what's most interesting and in fact tragic about Theodora is the fact that the most information we get about her is from Procopius's secret history. But this work is known to be a work of fiction with um, elements of the truth merely interspersed. Yeah, and it's really damaging to the history of Theodora um, because it's clear the author's contempt for Justinian and Theodora. um, And he... And yeah, so he believes, um, it's clear that he believes that their influence was highly damaging to the Eastern Roman Empire at this time. And she's highly demonised and that he very much um, kind of toes the line for her being a wicked, power-hungry woman. And that's quite a lot, like, it's very similar to the depiction of powerful women we see throughout history. Um, Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could argue that it's still a major issue in modern day. Um, But it does bring up the really important idea surrounding what they all knew about Theodora. So all that we know comes from male writers who certainly would not have looked fondly upon a woman of so so much power, who was the driving force of the emperor in her time. Definitely. Um, And this is a time when women were supposed to be submissive housewives and mothers. Um, And she is an active member of the political landscape at the time. And this would have enraged many people in society. So it's no surprise that she's been demonised in history like this. Yeah, and I think that probably her background in prostitution, I mean, there was a huge stigma surrounding kind of female sexuality. So I de- definitely think that this didn't help her in terms of the history that we see about her. So not only was she this strong, powerful woman who was seen as manipulating her husband for merely put, having a say in legal and court matters, um, but also she had this background of promiscuity. So I think that that's probably why she's so vilified in these writings. So there is no discounting that she was quite brutal in her methods. Um, She was said to be involved in poisoning, forced marriage, torture. um, And in terms of other women, other powerful nobles, um, she she was known to scathingly attack anyone whom she felt could be a threat. But I think this kind of just highlights the the precarious position of women in high power, that they have to do that to kind of keep their position stable. yeah so despite this there is a clear failure in the descriptions of her as a kind of a heartless threatening woman there's a failure in these um they didn't highlight they don't highlight all of the extremely significant and beneficial things she did for society at this time 
Yeah, definitely. And I think there are also much less critical representations of her if we move away from the literary world. Yeah, so this can be seen in um, the church of San Vitale in Italy. Um, so there's a big mosaic which shows her um, along with her husband um, um, and the Archbishop of Ravenna um, with a large halo, lots of jewellery, lots of necklaces, crowns and a purple robe. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of she's she's quite glorified in the church, um, which I yeah, thought was interesting. Really- yeah, which is really interesting considering she was not kind of the staunch orthodox um, her husband was. But I think also what was so significant about Theodora is at that time kind of court was so male dominated that without a female figure, female issues, women's rights issues would not have been discussed, let alone laws passed. So I think that definitely she um, we have a lot to be grateful for for her um, in terms of women's rights in the Eastern Roman Empire. Definitely. And I think it kind of harks back to her beginnings as a prostitute. She was she was part of a she was part of a system and a society that was inherently like marginalizing towards women. It marginalized women. Um, And the fact that she was a prostitute in the first place, being a prostitute, despite the fact that it's prostitution, it was one of the um, it was one of the only jobs women like it was a professional class of women. Um, And it was one of the few places where they could earn their own income and kind of work outside being a housewife. Um, And this kind of allowed her to rise up the ranks in this very male dominated world. Um, And this rising up the ranks, it was, it certainly may be more common now, but it was not common before. Um, And I think the fact that historians have been fascinated by her, you know, to use the stereotypical rags to riches tale but I think there's more to her story than that. And we can't just peg it down as she's the rags to riches, you know, um, woman, because it's not, it's not, I don't think her story should be based on Justinian bringing her up to the world. I think her story should be based on the fact that she, you know, she, what she did in power and how powerful she was and the fact that she did as much as Justinian. Yeah, definitely. And I think that there is so much emphasis put on the fact, I mean, we have discussed that prostitution did play a part in her later life, but I think especially in the secret history, I mean, dubbing her Theodora the prostitute, it's kind of really diminishes what she actually achieved in court. And yes, she did mainly focus on women's rights, but the fact that she played such an instrumental role in the Nika revolt does show that she had a significant positive influence in all areas of Eastern Roman life. So a lot of people say that the empire was Theodora's as much as it was Justinian's. Do you agree with that? Do you think, would you say that it was um, Theodora's as much as it was Justinian's? I think, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. We can see as soon as um, Theodora died, there is such a shift in Justinian's rule. He was nowhere near as decisive. There was nowhere near as much reform. His reign was not as successful without his wife. So I think, I mean, if not equal, Theodora could have even had a more influential role at court. And I think that with both of them on a par, it was a really kind of positive um, partnership where both of them had a say, both of them could offer their own perspectives. And I think as we've spoken about, without Theodora's female perspective, women would have really suffered even more um, during the Roman Empire. Definitely. And I think the fact that in um, when the plague came um, and ravaged Eastern Europe, um, Justinian got the plague and was actually in a coma. 
and Theodora ruled ruled in his stead and ruled perfectly well in his stead. Um, and he he recovered and he resumed his duties, but she was perfectly capable, and it just shows that she she was she was equal to him and she did as much as she did. Um, and so it's interesting that she's kind of she's relatively in the shadows because although she's although she's kind of famous and well heard of, I think maybe people see it as the um, rule of Justinian and it should be seen as the rule of Justinian and Theodora. Yeah, I mean, the fact that she was able to rule much more proficiently without her, uh, without Justinian than Justinian was without her, it just speaks to the fact that they were definitely equal in their reign. And I think that definitely, like you said, it should be categorised more as the rule of Justinian and Theodora instead of just Justinian as emperor. Yes, definitely. Um, so this brings us to the end of this episode. Um, we hope you enjoyed um, discovering the story of this powerful pioneering empress with us. Yeah, I definitely did. So join us next time where we will be chatting to another special guest and uncovering the story of another woman who was in the shadows. In the shadows, uncovering the hidden woman of history. <laughs>